I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. everybody. God bless you. Welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call. Glad to have you on tonight. I'm excited, fired up, and uh, just wanted to say a special thank you. Um, I've mentioned it many times before here, um, well, a few times. I don't like to even talk about it um, too much, but you know, we never ask for money, but people do from time to time donate. We thank you for it. But we, I'm not asking for it, but we always write out a thank you back to that person. Well, someone had donated just a some weeks back and we lost your address and and I am sorry but I wanted to, you to know um thank you so much and God bless you uh I just wanted to mention it on the radio because uh we always like to just write a note back to you and just personal to say thank you so much uh with that though um I wanted to say if you didn't hear uh last week's message with Dr. Michael Lake uh just about the UFO um this whole entire onslaught of of this trying to put it into our minds of of this either this alien influence this transhumanistic you look at all of the marvel comics everything that's going on there's a few things that are really taking the forefront right now in our society and that is uh, the one of prepping us to be you know some type of alien either encounter visitation whatever it may be this desire for transhumanism meaning we can take our bodies modify them into some type of superheroes and the other thing is basically the degradation of men and the elevation of women to rule over the society now i don't i don't care what your theology is um, it doesn't bother me. You can argue all you want. But the truth is they are trying to take the manliness away from men. And I'm sorry, men, if you're not acting like men, then it's time to grow up and act like one. We are commanded by God to be the spiritual leaders of our home. We are to lead in such a way that the women in our family see Christ in us, and that naturally draws them. What happens, men, when you do not lead in a godly way, you represent the Lord in your house, and the children and the wife uh, say to themselves, well, this, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously, if this is how God is, then I don't want anything to do with him. We need to, as men, lead as men, because they are trying to take it away. It's Isaiah 3.12, talks about a time that women will rule over the society and children will oppress their parents. We are living in that day and age, and God says those people that are leading will cause us to error. I know there's a big feminist movement out there. I'm sorry I don't believe in it. I do believe that we are equal and co-heirs when it comes to our worth and value in the kingdom, but we as men and women have different jobs that God has for us to do. He's given uh, each one of us 
different characteristics of him so that we together as one flesh can fulfill this. Now, if you're by yourself or single, that's one thing. But but I believe that God, when he joins a man and a woman together, apart we are incomplete, but together it completes the package. If you look at the many of the traits of a woman and many of the traits of a man, God has both of those. And so he designed it in such a way that we would be drawn to one another to complete more of his likeness and more of his image. And I don't care what the society is trying to tell us. Men be men. My wife will tell you she does not like me to be weak. Two days if I, when I start whining because I'm sick, she tells me to man up. She deals with it. I need to learn how to deal with it. So, honey, if you're listening, I'm still trying to learn. Okay, God bless each one of you, though, because uh, I know it's a struggle, but this is a day and age we need to step up and understand our roles. We are to lay down as men of the house. We are to lay down our lives in service of, of not only God, but also for our family. And when we lead in an understanding way, the, we will naturally draw the woman and the children to follow, not by force, but by the Spirit of the living God. And, and so I won't continue down that trail, but it is a big thing that we are being changed in our society, and we need to be aware about that because it's important. So if you didn't catch out last week, there's, I actually added some more than what we talked about, but Dr. Lake is an absolute expert on the technology and what's going on today. So check that out and uh, in that program. And with that, I want to jump into tonight's program, but I want to start with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Yeshua, the Most High, I ask that you would bless this show to be a blessing unto you. Lord, I ask that you would bless this show that others would learn, Lord, that we can trust in the very Word of God, knowing that it is truth, that even though there are false voices, false prophets, false teachers, false counselors out there, Lord, that the Word of the Lord is good and it will guide us through the darkest of hours on this earth. Lord, protect us with your mighty warring angels. Surround us, Lord, that the enemy hath no place in our families, in our homes, in our hearts, anywhere in our lives. We ask this all in the name above every name, Yeshua Jesus. Amen. Well, tonight's program, Dark Sages and Evil Counselors. Now, if you don't know what a sage is, a sage is something that people do burn as incense, but it is also a person that's known to have wisdom, a sage. And unfortunately, there are many people claiming to have a lot of wisdom this day and age, but the wisdom that they are spewing is evil and it is dark. And many of those that are counseling out there today and even those in the so-called watchman community are leading those believers who are honestly hungry for a true word down some very false teachings because they have strayed from remembering what the Word of God says above what a man or a woman may say. I don't care who comes to you and tells you something. If it is an event against the very Word of God, you need to forsake that and do away with it because the Word of God in His holy book always trumps what any person may say. Don't ever forget that, and that will be your guide to keep you on the right path. Now, I want to deal with a story tonight that is troubling to many because it's hard to understand in the Old Testament. And I want to dig into it a little bit tonight and hopefully bring a little bit of clarity by God's grace. You remember when the Lord split apart Israel after Solomon had gone and then his son had came, Rehoboam, to, 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 um, to take over. He, he did not listen to the counsel 
of his elders. They had told him that he should be, you know, gentle and should be care for the people. And if they did, that they would follow him. But instead, he decided, no, he was going to make their burden heavier. And he would, by doing that, he would basically beat them into submission. And the people were angry and rebelled. And God split the kingdom. He had already prophesied that it was going to happen. And so he splits it. And now Jeroboam is ruling over. He's the son of Nebat, and he's ruling over the northern kingdom. And so he's looking on this split, and he's looking at the children of Israel up in the north, and he's worried that if Israel went down to Jerusalem, which they were commanded to do during the feast times, that Rehoboam, the king of Israel, would rule over them, that he would basically pull them back underneath his rule. And so he was upset, and he was worried about this, so he decided, he came up with this terrible uh, idea, but he thought it would be wonderful. And he takes counsel in 1 Kings uh, 12, 28, and he goes and makes two golden calves, and he puts one at Bethel and the other at Dan. So he decided that instead of uh, you know, going down the children of Israel to go down and do what God had commanded to do, he decided to have his own feast instead of at the time when God had appointed in the seventh month on the 15th day, that would be tabernacles on the eighth month and on the 15th day, he tried to change that day to his own day on the eighth month. And so he decided that he would change God's holy day. So instead of being the seventh month on the 15th day, he makes it the eighth month and the 15th day. He thought that he could change God's holy times, his holy feasts, his pointed times. You know, unfortunately, we see the same thing happening today. People believing that they can change the very word of God, change the day of worship, change whatever God has put into place, because that is what fits their narrative. And folks, when it disagrees with the very word of God, you cannot change what God has set and ordained from the very beginning. You know, the problem why we have so much trouble with keeping time is because we have forgotten creation. God created the earth in six days, and he rested on the seventh. And he says, yeah, I want you to work six and rest on seven. But we've forgotten what God commanded from the beginning in creation, so we get very confused in the, the Bible along in times, and people begin to change things, and that's what happened. Well, the Bible says it became a national sin at that time when he did that. And to top it all off, he was making anyone who would, not those that were from the tribe of Levi, but anyone, a priest, which was forbidden by God to be a minister. So God had commanded that the priests were to come from Aaron, the Levites were to come from there, and, well, excuse me, the Levitical, what's inside of the Levites was the Aaron's, the tribe of Aaron. They were the ones who were to be specifically only priests. But he decided, Jeroboam, that anyone was going to be that. Folks, this is a great warning to each one of us, to not do something that you are not called to do. That doesn't mean we should shy away from spreading the gospel, from sharing the word from preaching whatever me but many people have called themselves into offices that god has never called them into it is the rebellion of korah it's what he tried to do when he wanted the priesthood and they were doing it there again in jeroboam's day by putting people into offices that they were not called to be in folks make sure that god 
is your calling. He has a calling for each one of us. We do know that there's one thing that we are all commanded to do. We are all commanded to go out and to share that everlasting gospel. That we are to do. But there are different offices that God has not called everybody into. Make sure we are not going somewhere that God hasn't. But picking up the story in 1 Kings chapter 13, if you've got your Bibles, I want to jump in here because this is a story that bothers a lot of people because they don't understand it. It frustrates them. 1 Kings chapter 13. And this is what it says. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Now, so you've got to remember, I want you to pick this up, because this, this is the part of the story that actually people read too quickly that messes up the understanding later on in this story. You gotta, I want to read it one more time. And behold, there came a man of Judah, of God, excuse me, out of Judah by the word of the Lord. Okay? This man leaves Judah because of what Jeroboam had done. God dispatches a prophet up there to correct him from thinking he can change his holy day. So this man left because of a command that God had given him to do. It says, and he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah, by the name, and upon thee shall he offer priests and of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. So we remember uh, that he created the golden calves and his own false altar. So this prophet goes up there. That is sent by God, and he says, listen, I'm going to tell you something, king, okay? That this, there is coming a man, it's about going to be about 360 years later, we can see. His name's going to be Josiah, and he is going to literally burn, he is going to burn the men's bones that are around here are going to be burnt on this very altar. This is not something that is of God, and somebody is going to come one day to destroy all of this. And he gave a sign in verse 3, the same day, saying, This is the sign which the, the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him, and his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up, so that he could not pull it in again. The altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given the word of the Lord. So here the king was upset, because someone was daring to try to tell him what he could not do. You see, that is often a problem in the church of God, that we do not like correction. And trust me, I don't like it either, but I've had to be corrected before. And you know what? I'm grateful because if I'm wrong, I want to get right. But he did not want to, and so he decided to lay hands on the very man of God. Folks, I want to tell you right now, yes, we have called out some false prophets on this show in the past. But I am very careful before I speak a name on somebody to watch what I'm doing because you do not want to lay hands on somebody or spiritually or say bad things about them that is not true. 
I'm telling you, be very, very careful before you start speaking a word against someone to make sure that it is okay by God before you start speaking falsely. This king was simply angry because someone had told him the very truth. My question is, do we get angry when someone tells us the truth? You know, I get people sometimes that rebuke my program, send me a message, post a comment on YouTube, and tell me how wrong it was. And I know that they didn't even listen to the very show that I had even said. But because they were against the very title of it, they say something negative about it, and, because, and they have no idea, and they don't even want to listen all the way through to try to find out some understanding. When I was being brought up in church, I was taught many things. But when I got converted about 20 years ago, as of March, when I got converted, I had to go begin to retest all those things that I was taught growing up. And you know what I found? Some of them weren't true. Some of those things that I was taught were not true, and I needed to reject them. Now, some things were, and I, and I, and I follow those, and I keep those in my life, but some things were not true. But I had to understand, was what I was being shown correct? Or was it false? And I remember one day I got on the phone. I called my dad up and said, Dad, I, I came across this scripture in the book of Zechariah, and it was blowing my mind. And I remember I'd been taught a certain way in doctrine my whole life. And I said, Dad, I read this scripture to him. I said, Dad, what do you do with this scripture? And he said, Son, I don't know. We were both speechless. Because it flew in the face of what we had understood all the way down through the ages that have been taught. It seemed to have disagreed. Well, praise God, my father is a very open-minded man and willing to learn from the Scripture. And by God's grace, we have both grown to learn more. Dad, if you're listening, I love you. Thank you so much for all the times you stood by me when others stood against me, even some in my own family who stood against me because of taking different Beliefs based on the very word of God versus what is tradition and taught in the churches. And so here he's upset. The altar was rent just like it was going. And verse 6, it says, And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored, restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and became as it was before. You know, it's amazing that all this wickedness that Jeroboam had done up to this point, creating golden calves, like, he, did he not learn the lesson that happened at Mount Sinai, all these things changing the very holy days of God. You know, it's like saying that God didn't create the earth in six days, you know, because science wants us to believe something different. When he says, I, so did I work six days, and, and he created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh, so you work six days and rest on the seventh. God said it's a literal day time period my creation took yet we keep trying to change it and god wasn't having any of it but all that do you see how gracious and merciful god was that is the amazing thing i can't that just blows my mind with god and i'm so thankful for that even in our most wickedness that we mess up it's when we turn around and seek the lord and he was desperate that god is always so gracious and merciful in verse 7, the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, 
I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so was it charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the way that thou camest. So he went another way, and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. So now the prophet is beginning to open up and share with that word of the Lord that it came to him, we read about in the very first verse. He said, listen, God told me, I don't care what you give me, I can not do eat bread or drink water, nor can I turn again and by the same way that I came. I got to go home a different way. I must listen to what the word of the Lord says, and so He is keeping true to the very word of the God, uh, the very word of God. And that's what we must remember as we read in the story. Now, verse eleven begins to change, starts to enter something new into this story. There's the challenge begins to enter. Now, there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words which he had spoken unto the king, them they had also told their father. And their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what the way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his son, Saddle me a donkey. So they saddled him a donkey, and he rode thereon, and went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread and he said i may not return with thee nor go in with thee neither will i eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place for it was said to me by the word of the lord thou shalt not no eat no bread nor drink water there nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest he said unto him i am a prophet also as thou art and again an angel spake unto me by the word of the lord saying bring him back with thee into thine house that he may eat bread and drink water but he lied unto him so he went back with him and he did eat bread in his house and drink water. Now, this is what's interesting. Later on, if you l read the prophecy of the fulfillment of when Josiah actually came later, he did exactly what the Word of God said. He ground their bones up on there. And when he went through there, when he found the very man of God that came up here, he said, touch not the man of God's bones, nor did they mess with the other prophets. So this other man was actually a prophet also. But just because you've had a word from the Lord once in your life doesn't mean that somebody could bring a deceptive word to you. That's why we must continually, always test the spirits. We must remember what the Word of God says. Because just because Billy Graham, maybe in his young years, said something right and he says something contrary older, we must remember that what the Word of God says trumps over anything you may have ever thought about any time that somebody says if it disagrees with the very Word of God. And this man had a clear word. He had very clear instructions. You do not go in, eat bread, don't drink water. You're not going back the same way. You follow what I said. But this man lied to him, and he was a true prophet, according to when you read about what happened with Josiah. Verse 20, and it came to pass, as they sat at the table, 
that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water, thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers slain by a lion. Now, interesting, interesting, this man who was, came and lied, now a true word from the Lord came. We've seen this happen back in Balaam's day. Folks, Balaam was a true prophet of God. It's in the very word, but he also became a prophet for prophet. He actually finally, even though he tried to curse the children of Israel, he ended up blessing them. He did mess them up later by giving some advice about marrying, intermarrying their daughters, the pagan daughters, over to the children of Israel and would get them thrown off the path. So just because... You know, this man had spoken a lie. God finally did speak through him again and say, you didn't, he told the man, you didn't obey my voice. You see, Paul clears this up in the New Testament in Galatians 1, 8, 9. He says, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. Paul's trying to say, listen to me. I want you to understand this. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. God is saying through his servant Paul right there, I don't care who comes to you, even if it looks like an angel from heaven, okay? Because the devil can appear like an angel from heaven, all right? An angel of light. You do not listen to him when it goes contrary to the very word of God. And folks, this is what's messing people up right now in discerning when we're listening to these so-called prophets that are out there on the internet right now that seem to sometimes have a very good word of God, and then they say other things that go contrary. Folks, if you're not testing it against the actual word of God, the, the Bible has a test to know a true or false prophet is in the word of the Lord. You, you, you can go there. We had a, I had a program. We did it a long time, uh, maybe a couple years ago, called Unholy Days, Rise of the False Prophets, I think, or something like that. It was, it was about how you can, by the very word of God, I gave all the tests to know and understand what a true word from the Lord was. It was right from the word of God. You can go listen to that program. And so because this man didn't listen, he, this, is not, this is not a hard story to understand. He had a clear direction, and he didn't obey it. This man had lied to him. But then the word the Lord did say, and it came to pass in verse 23, after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled him the donkey to wit, and the prophet from whom he had brought back. And when he had gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way, and the donkey stood by it, and the lion also stood by the carcass. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast away, and the lion stand by the carcass, and they came and told it in the city where the old prophet had dwelt. You see, God told him what to do, and he didn't do it. Now, the interesting thing is, if you do read what Josiah, Josiah, when he came to fulfill that prophecy, if you actually read Josiah, what he did, you will see that that man was still a man of God. You see, folks, just because you mess up one time, and he did something wrong, that doesn't mean that man was, let, was lost forever. That doesn't mean that he didn't, but he paid a price 
for making that mistake and not listening. Just like when they uh, studied the ark, you know, when, when they t- uh, reached out and touched the ark. See, he was cast down dead, but that doesn't mean he was lost forever. You see, God had said before, you don't ever take the cart, you don't put the ark on a cart. He said it is to be carried specifically by the Levites. That story was doomed from the very beginning. And he simply tried to do what was a noble thing. But God said, don't you put your hands, do not touch that. If they would have started that process of transporting the ark the way the word of the Lord had commanded, that event would have never happened. But just because that prophet had made a mistake and he paid a price doesn't mean that he was lost. You see, the Bible says that Moses was the most humble man ever. He was the man of God. The Lord talks about him all through the Bible in the Old and New Testament about Moses. Is a man. We know that Moses was there on the Mount of Transfiguration, um, on the Mount of Transfiguration there, and so we we know that he is. In we know he's been already translated into the kingdom by the very word of the Lord, and so. Moses, though, because of his mistake when he was supposed to speak to the rock and he struck it, we know that he made a mistake. He could not go into the promised land, but he was still loved by the Lord. He was still loved by God. You see, folks, sometimes we make mistakes and we do have to pay a price for it, but that doesn't mean God doesn't love us. There are consequences sometimes to our actions. And many times there are consequences we deserve, and yet God doesn't put them on. The problem that we had right now was this old prophet who was, think of him as as your church elder or your pastor. He had had known the true word of God, but he came with a lying spirit. See, it was all dark counsel. It was a lying spirit that was speaking at that moment from that man. It was his flesh. It was not the true word of God. And that is what's happening in our churches today. Even some who were once enlightened now saying things that are contrary, things that are said and done in the name of God. But the reward, the end of it, is death. It's death. You see, today we are living in an age of dark counsel, dark sages, evil wisdom that is out there everyone is speaking on behalf of god but instead of being led by the spirit of the living god they're being led by their own flesh or a false spirit the bible says in second timothy 3 starting in verse 1 this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves covetousness Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Now the interesting thing is that entire list that he just went over, Many of those people, they are in the church because he said they have a form of godliness, but they are practicing unholiness. They are practicing disobedience. They are practicing their blasphemers. They are saying because of grace, you can live and do whatever you want. You see, the worst part of it, in my opinion right now, some of the worst of it, it's not those normal sins that we see being called out. But it is the religious form of godliness that is uh, so disturbing 
These people are in the churches, and they are giving out this dark wisdom in these last days in the name of God, and it looks so religious. They have such a form of godliness, yet they are so far apart, and they are leading so many churches. Folks, there is so much hurt, angst, divorce, confusion, death, sickness that's going on right now in the church. That why would anyone from the world want to come and be a part of this? I mean, why would they want to come and be a part of something that looks just like the rotten filth that is in the world? Why would someone from in this evil world want to come be a member of the church of the living God if the people in the church look just like the world because they've seen them in the clubs, they see them drinking, they see them doing all these things, smoking and cussing and all that stuff, and they say these people are hypocrites because they are just like those people that are out in the world. Adultery, fornication, homosexuality, abortion, pride, backstabbing and gossip, unforgiveness, etc., etc., etc. are all being committed with a religious spirit of I'm right and everyone else is wrong. Don't you tell me I'm born that way. How dare somebody deny me the right to love who I want or kill this baby that's in my womb because I have a right to women's rights, you know, and the right to be who I want to be. Folks, that is a lie from the devil and it is permeating in the church in so many places today. It is dark counsel. These are dark sages. It's evil wisdom and we need to stop it. Just simply stop it. If you're attending or gathering together where these things are going on, you need to separate yourself from that. What happened to the days of struggling with a sin and praying as a church family through it? Now we just do it and dare someone to say something wrong about it. We make special protection for sins, and they say that they are okay. We need to stop doing this stuff. Folks, there are so many people that are struggling, and they need to find someone that is willing to pray and struggle through this with them. But in too many churches, we have removed the struggle because we are afraid to call out the sin. And we are afraid to call out the sin because too many people are actively living in it that are running our churches. It's ungodliness. And if you read what Paul said, these people, they're not getting in the kingdom. Quit fooling yourself. We have been listening to man, and unfortunately, we've not been listening to God. And it's beginning to affect the church, the gathered, the remnant, the ecclesia, the called out of God, whatever that is. If you're gathering in a home, wherever the called out is, that's where the church is at. The Jesus that is being preached in so many places today, even in amongst the remnant community in many places, is not the God of the Bible. Where in all the New Testament did Jesus ever say, go and live as you please? Nowhere. Where did Jesus ever say, you will not have tribulation? When did Jesus ever say, you could go around with unforgiveness in your heart? When did Jesus say it was okay to gossip? You see, I get so fired up because I'm so sick of this dark counsel and evil wickedness. I was at a pastor's, a big convention. I had to go to a gathering together, and there were some pastors there because I, I had to do some live audio and AV for this place. And I was talking to one of the pastors, and I was saying, listen, you know, just – don't you think that because of all this stuff that's being talked about in the news and I, like we were discussing on the last program with this alien invasion and all these things, and we know it's demonic, we know it's of the devil, don't you think you should warn your congregation against this stuff? And he kind of looked at me like I was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. 
You know, like, oh, that's crazy talk. That's not crazy talk because what happens when this stuff is announced and your congregation has not been prepared as people die from lack of wisdom, from lack of understanding because we're not telling them that they need to prepare because the days are evil and the time of the end is at hand. God is calling us out from these dark sages to come out from underneath their evil and wicked counsel and to listen and hear from God himself. Let me say this very clearly. We need to hear from God and not man. Maybe it's just time that some of us take a break from all the stuff we listen to online and actually read and pray and hear from the Lord. It's time to stop listening to what all these false prophets are saying and start hearing God. It's an interesting story. There was a school teacher that had lost her savings in a business scheme. That had been elaborately explained by a swindler. When her investment disappeared and her dream was shattered, she went to the Better Business Bureau. Why on earth didn't you come to us first, the official asked. Didn't you know about the Better Business Bureau? Oh, yes, said the lady sadly. I've always known about you, but I didn't come because I was afraid you'd tell me not to do it. The folly of human nature is that even though we know where the answer lies in God's word, we don't turn there for fear of what it will say. And that's so sad. You know, Joel says to us in his, in his prophesying about the end times and the day of the Lord. He says in Joel chapter 2, verse 12, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even with me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart and not your garment, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. You know, the, God says that in, through his prophet Joel, listen, I know it's bad and it's messed up. The day of the Lord is at hand. But turn to me now. Start praying, fasting, seeking me. Weeping, calling out. And the Bible says that your God is so merciful. And he loves to repent of the evil that has come because of the consequences of what happened in this earth. Jeremiah 29.11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. You see, God is calling us, saints, most high, remnant, He's calling us out into his marvelous light. And I'm warning you often on this show to be careful of all the voices out there. I would rather you never hear another word that I say, but get into the very word of God and pray. than you sit here and listen to this program every week and never crack the Bible open. You know, like I heard someone say once, how dare we say that God is silent when our Bibles are closed? The Lord is calling us to seek the true light, the counsel, the wisdom that comes from on high. My question is, are you willing to answer the call? You see, when this whole thing goes down here, when this whole thing falls apart, God has a harvest that's going to come, but he needs some more workers. 
And many of you that listen out there, you feel so unworthy, you feel so un, unprepared, you feel so much like you. there's no way God could use you. But he showed us in the New Testament when he picked unlearned un, men that were not skilled, they were not the predominant, they were fishermen. These are like you, they're the, the below-the-blue-collar type guys. They looked at them, the, 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 the Pharisees looked and said, who are these unlearned, who are these idiots out there? And God used those people to change the world. Why don't you think he can use you? You see, it do, you don't have to be a pastor, an elder, a deacon, or whatever in order to share the living gospel. You don't have to be in some position in order to share the good news that Jesus is coming again. Never let a position define your ministry. Your ministry is to share the good news that this world is coming to an end, but there is a Savior. And his name is Jesus. And he laid down his life for your sins. And because of the joy that was laid up before him, he endured the sufferings of the cross. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you, the Bible says. While you were undeserving, while you didn't deserve it at all, it says he died in that state, and now you've messed up and you think he doesn't love you, that's crazy. The truth is, he's doing everything possible to get your attention. And it begins by seeking him and turning down these false voices. I want to close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you in the name of Yeshua that you are merciful and that even when when Jeroboam, in the beginning, tried to change your very holy days, when he tried to decide that he wanted to do things differently, even made golden cats, and he tried to put his hands on the very man of God when he cried out, you were gracious to restore his hand. Lord, you are gracious to restore your children. And so, Lord, I ask for a spirit of restoration to fall upon your people. I pray, Lord, that we would remember today that no matter where we've been, what we've done, if we will call out to Christ Jesus, if we will call out to our Heavenly Father, that He's faithful and just to not only forgive, but to wash us and to make our sins as white as snow. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over the failures that we've done and ask that the merits of His blood be applied to our lives, Lord. That the things that we've broken promises, the, the failures we've done, Lord, the backslides we have, that they would be cleansed tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for that person that feels unworthy to remind them, Lord, today that it's not their worthiness that you're looking for. It was already done in Jesus. And our job is to follow him and to believe the promises of God. That if he says he has redeemed us, let's begin to live like we have been redeemed. Lord, I thank you for this and ask it in the powerful name of Yeshua. Amen. This is Brother Frank from the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom.